0: social media for beautiful food and inspiration.
1: Down Ballot, we do the show live every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media, and it's uh, broadcasting to uh, other places that uh, don't matter. You can support this project. Just go to echoplexmedia.com, click the support tab. I think the best thing there is the memberships probably on uh, eplex.store, but you can make your own decisions, like uh, buy hats, T-shirts, that kind of stuff. New Down Ballot logo shirt is there, and it looks fantastic. I'm producer Dave and uh, you can find me working on a very long article and uh, being burned out because of it. Also on Grindr.
2: <laughs> is the article on Grindr or you no, are on No,
1: no, no, you can't publish on Grindr. I would put it there right. if I could. Sorry, your profile is on Grindr. So My profile is on come... Grindr, yes. You could find it, you have to be pretty close by.
2: Are you open to relationships? Are you just looking to hang? Do you just are you DTF? What's what's the status? No, I'm uh, the second two. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I I, and I don't know what the stat. I, I'm not familiar with Grindr, so I don't know if there's like actual statuses you can choose. But uh, uh yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, you can. You, could, to know. you
1: could tell it. You're looking for hookups. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Huh. Um, I'm not in the market for a boyfriend. Um, I stream uh, uh six nights a, a week. Um, I don't think it's in you. The you stream
2: with your your men and your shows. Oh
1: yeah, it on, wouldn't on be in demand. the cards right now to to have any any kind of like a serious thing going on. Let's uh, it would it would be frustrating for them, and uh, frustrating for them.
2: So you you stream outward six nights a week, and then you you download stream a new dude when you're feeling feeling frisky.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about, but absolutely <laughs> whatever whatever you're saying is fine. My brain. I don't is know scra- how
2: grinder works. I don't know how these dating apps work. I, I I I got married before the dating apps really took off, so I've never really got to experience it.
1: My anyway. brain has scrambled. Introduce yourself. <laughs>
2: um, I'm the councilman, I think. Uh, you can find me at T-H-E underscore councilman on X. You can also find me in the self-checkout aisle at Target buying way too many Pampers because that's just the life now. So sorry, Mom. Um, I can't believe you had to go through all this. But uh, anyway, maybe they just had one diaper for me and they just washed it every day. I think that was how it worked. But anyway, that's me. I'm excited to be here. We have a really full docket this week. We have an election coming up in one... Well, it's happening right now. Election day is now... 30 days, right, because we all vote by mail. So uh, election deadline day, let's say, is next Tuesday, the 5th of March, Um, and we're gonna be talking quite a bit about that tonight, so uh, we can dive in whenever you are ready, my friend.
1: What do we got for leading off?
2: Well, uh, I do love it when worlds collide here at Echoplex Media, and um, we have a story that could easily be found on multiple uh, shows and multiple streams, Uh, so this one certainly fits that bill. Uh, Elon Musk. Has had to step in because uh, his company Tesla did a wrong by a local nonprofit bakery. Um, and we're going to learn more about what happened in the snafu and how the community has risen up to respond.
3: Now, at 11, solving the pie problem. Tonight, Elon Musk is vowing to make things right with this San Jose bakery after a canceled pie order, a cancellation that was costly and frustrating for the owner. Now, it is a baking blunder by Tesla that tonight has a lot of people
4: showing up to that bakery to help out. Now, the Giving Pies in Willow Glen had received an order from Tesla for 4,000 pies. Problem is, Tesla canceled, and the bakery owner had already bought the ingredients and supplies. NBC Bay Area's Jocelyn Moran joins us in the newsroom tonight. So, Jocelyn, I understand Musk is now uh, stepping in. Right, he is
5: reacting, and he says he is going to make things good with the bakery. What what exactly that means is not yet clear the owner hasn't heard from us since this was posted but this also has a lot of people in the community talking and showing support for the owner at the Giving Pies in Willow Glen on Friday, a long line to get the last of the mini pies for the day. I got a cherry, a strawberry, and a pear apple. I felt like I needed to get a bunch of different things. Customers showing their support after hearing about what happened to owner Vwangi Racetarinera. She says last week she got an order from Tesla for 4,000 mini pies. She bought ingredients and supplies and declined at least three other catering jobs. Tesla unexpectedly ended up canceling the order via
6: text. I it was terrible. I mean, here they they do a nice business with a great product, and they give some of it away to help people. And then Tesla comes and orders 4,000 pies, and then squashes the order. I think that's disgusting.
5: This was David's second trip to the Giving Pies just today. There were also first-time customers coming in.
7: It's hard for these
8: uh, um, you know uh, non-chain type places to survive. So I thought I'd uh, come over and support. Just, Pies look great.
7: Feel super grateful and super supported. Wangi
5: tells us business tripled today, and she's receiving messages and orders from all over the world.
7: People placing orders like, I live in Canada. I just want to support you. So they place another, and they're like, just give it to anybody. Then came Elon Musk's post
5: on X today, saying, "quote Just hearing about this will make things good with the bakery. People should always be able to count on Tesla trying its best."
7: I didn't expect, that, <laughs> but I'm really counting on you know his word, like that is going to make good for it. Well, before this post, she did hear
5: from someone with Tesla explaining it was all a misunderstanding. They also asked if she could cater two <laughs> events in March. She says she will consider it if she has the time and resources.
2: Ooh. Ooh. She's like, I will think about it. I'll think about it. I'm getting calls now from Cisco and, you know, Meta and I, I, you got to com- yeah. Apple. You got to compete. Well, that's that, yeah. this is just. This is just a lovely story I, that came across the local news the other night. I thought it was epically down ballot, and uh, so I think it has.
1: I think it has a happy ending because the bakery owner is now highly skeptical of the possibility of doing a, uh, making some pies for them in. Uh, would you say March and April?
2: <laughs> yeah, they wanted to do a couple a couple events now, and oh, this was a big misunderstanding. Even though she had the text in black and white, like we will no longer be needing this order. I don't know what's unclear about that. That's that's not, you know we can pretty much understand what they're saying there. Um, uh but yeah that i'm good on her uh, that she she's learned a thing or two now um and it does have a good ending which is why it's not on winners and losers um but uh you should absolutely this the the pies are legit at the giving pies i have sampled them before so you should definitely go out and try them and it looks like she's getting a lot of support from the community because of this so great one thing this place does actually they she also gives back a portion of her proceeds to charity uh donates pies um for every pie she sells she donates like another one to uh, local, uh, you know, soup kitchen things like that. So uh, good on her for all of that, and even more the reason, more reason to support uh, and not necessarily pull an order for four thousand mini pies at the last minute. That's a, yeah. so, that's a little bit. So, yeah. um,
1: I was looking around a little bit at this. Unfortunately, I was looking around a little bit uh, at this on uh, apartheid Clyde's uh, website. I call that the uh, the www of lies. It's the the web oh, of lies. Fun. We might call it and. Uh, fun. <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but it seems like they canceled the order for the pies for a Black uh, History Month celebration, which doesn't look so great for uh, for Mr. <laughs> Musk. You know, uh, uh, um, gestures broadly at his uh, other behavior in the last year or, <laughs> or longer.
2: It's not a good look for Elon. No, I would say, and given the context of everything that's been going on, not a good look um, in general. So, uh, I mean, yes, I hope I like the owner. Um, I hope that he. Uh, he you know come, comes through and follows his word and makes good sounds like he is um but good on her for i love the response like well i'll think about it <laughs> good on her uh so my and, understanding
1: uh, is the order was for about twelve thousand dollars worth of pies something around that and gotta the, be the, the, yeah. the offer from the tesla offered to write them a check for like two grand or something mm, for the inconvenience like, and it's like cancel.
2: yo like, yeah, you probably, should probably spend way more than that already on uh, ingredients, like they said. Like, the margins for any restaurant, even a chain, are pretty slim. And you order based on, you order, you know, your product uh, based on what, you know, the demand is. Uh, and in this case, you know, this is almost, this is practically like, a, this is a mom and pop kind of a bakery. This is a one-stop shop, you know, brick-and-mortar place. So, yeah, they, if you get an order that size, you're absolutely ordering specifically to that, you know, your ingredients specifically to that order, and you're probably spending, you know, a good 80% of what, you know, of the, what you're gonna recoup, right? Um, So the margin, I, I'm guessing, I have no idea, but I'm guessing it's pretty high. So uh, yeah, this is not, that's not cool. <laughs> it's not gonna, not gonna cut it um, in that case. Um, But yeah, that makes sense, 12, 000, 12K, because these pies are, you know, a, a good, you know, three or four bucks each, a little pies, but they're delicious.
1: Right, you might get some volume discount, but you know, there's, pro- there's not a lot of room in there. And like, let's say that the demand from people being so pissed off at uh, Mr. Mr. Apartheid Clyde was so great that people came in and wanted the twelve thousand pies. Well, they don't have the bandwidth to sell all that. Like, like retailing them off one, three, five, ten at a time. Like that's a, like pretty labor intensive. Not even making the pies, just on like fulfilling the customer's order and delivering. Like, you know, I. Presume this place delivers quality customer service as well, and so yeah. like you know, it's just just it's the time. just the overhead on that versus delivering yeah. it all
2: at once is going to be huge too, right? And don't forget that the time it would take to do that too and sell it more piecemeal, right? Even if you're selling in even you know, quant- like dozens, right? Um, and those kind of quantities, it's still going to yeah, it would take it would just take forever to process it because you're again, this is just this one stop. Like there's probably one line to the register, and. Even if people place orders online, it's like they're really—you can saw it. Like there's maybe three people in that kitchen total. Um, So that's a lot of that's a lot of work. It's labor intensive too, because it's handmade. They're not—they're not like, as you saw, that it's not like a a processing line either. Machine, no AI making the pies.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a a bad story all the way around. But honestly, it's just like, it's like you know, I saw this and I was like, well, I mean, of course that happened, right? Yeah, (laughs) of course that happened and then like i found out like, then, then i saw this thing and i was like oh it's a, it's a owner's a Latina lady with a kind of maybe he talked to her you know i mean i don't know tesla doesn't have the best record on just uh, not being racist like to their yeah employees. right like you, you, maybe their vendors too they're like ah, i don't want to buy them mexican pies and the lady's like i'm from el salvador or you know i'm i'm actually from <laughs> san jose my family is from el salvador right
2: <laughs> right yeah and, and double whammy right the the latino um Baker, and then maybe for for Black History Month celebrations, so you're, you're sort of checking off the boxes of all the the folks you can piss off. It's great. Um, go Elon. Um, anyway, I think it does, at the end of the day, it's a good. It's a, a local business makes good story. It looks like there was a nice. Uh, it's a wonderful life moment where everyone came in and bought pies and bought them out, right, and uh, made made them whole again. So yeah, they'll they'll survive, which is great. And um, you should definitely go check them out in uh, Willow Glen on Alma right off of 87. And it looks like Pi Day is coming up. That's a good reminder. So great time to go get to Pi. That's my PSA. Uh,
1: this guy wants to send people to Mars. Can we just send him there? Who's that? Apartheid Clyde. He wants to send people to Mars. Maybe we should just send him there.
2: Dude, could we? I mean, I'll, I got five on it. <laughs> Elon Musk could do it. He's got a spaceship.
1: right? Oh man! Right? All right. So we're gonna move on to winners and losers. It looks like a uh, looks like a oh, Gavin Newsom here is um, starting his uh, twenty twenty eight presidential run. If
2: you yes, uh, he's yeah. trying to be a winner.
1: Yeah, if you if you ask me, he's trying to be a winner here. He's got a new ad targeting conservatives
9: on abortion rights. From Super Tuesday and Governor Newsom is launching a national abortion ad in red states accusing conservative leaders of holding women hostage by imposing travel bans. KTV's Amanda Quintana has more on the ad which states are being targeted.
7: Trump Republicans want to
3: criminalize young women who travel to receive the reproductive care they need.
4: The new ad put out Sunday shows a woman handcuffed to a bed with a rape kit on the table next to her. Newsom pointing out that bans such as the one in Tennessee have no exceptions, even if a woman is raped or a victim of incest. The ad will first air in Tennessee, where there's currently a proposal to charge adults with a felony if they help pregnant minors get an abortion out of state without their parents'. Permission. It will then air in other states, trying to pass similar legislation.
6: It is a profound and existential moment, and all of us need to be in
4: Newsom spoke on Meet the Press, calling the efforts a war on women.
6: These guys are not just restricting the rights of self-determination to bear a child for a young child, uh, young woman, but they're also determining their fate as it relates to their future and life by saying they can't even travel. Mm-hmm. These travel restrictions modeled after a version that passed in Idaho, is now being proposed in Tennessee, in Oklahoma, in Mississippi. The AG himself of Alabama wants to criminalize travel, not just for children, but for adults seeking reproductive care that's how serious this moment is
4: this ad campaign is being funded by a political action committee newsom launched last spring political analyst brian sobel says the goal of this ad is not about changing people's minds about abortion
6: point of the ad is to give him face time in tennessee among people in tennessee who at some point in the near term or in the long term may want to support him for president.
4: Newsom was asked on Meet the Press about whether he's ruling out his own run for president in 2024, if Democrats choose to put another name on the ticket.
6: Are you, I am here celebrating. The extraordinary accomplishments of the Biden-Harris administration, making the case that we need to make to lift up the issues, lift up the record, drive contrast with the Republican nominee to be Donald Trump. He's being self-deprecating when he says, oh, you know, I support the president, and he's the best person for the job, and I have no interest. Uh, He has a lot of interest. Uh, He just knows that it's
10: best not to talk about it publicly.
4: Amanda Quintana, KTVU Fox 2 News.
1: I don't think that uh, Gavin is looking at 2024. I think he knows what I know that if Joe Biden were to, for um, political reasons or, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen. Like some kind of health reason has to drop out like tomorrow. That's actually a shit show for the democratic party. Just an absolute shit show. Now he yeah. could come ride in on the horse and save the day. He's the one to do. He Right. He's, he's the one he's the one he's the only one Um. He's the only. I yeah. think he's the only one. Um, <clears throat> um. You know the the vice president would be the, the heir apparent, but I think Kamala has done a pretty good job of keeping a fairly low profile and just getting her fucking work done as the vice president, and that doesn't translate to campaign whereas gavin Newsom has been out in the public eye like a lot lately
2: yeah and and again at the end of the day and the good wife i think would completely back me up or be the one saying this if she were on the show tonight um america is still a very racist and sexist society and unfortunately kamala harris fits into both of those demographics um very cleanly so uh, uh the likelihood of her being elected especially against Donald Trump, I think is actually pretty low. And it pains me to say that she would be a fantastic president. We should be able to elect a black or white or any kind of color woman, and we should be able to elect really whoever we want. But that's just not the way that the world works, unfortunately, right now, with the Electoral College being what it is. Um, So uh, I think that you're right. Uh, Gavin would be the most viable option in that kind of a shit show. Um, And he's certainly set himself up already as that. So I think he's set there and he's doing everything, you know, like the political analyst said, I think he's doing what he needs to be doing if he's looking at 2028. Um, And it's never too early to to put yourself out there um, nationally. Uh, You know, Barack Obama didn't become a thing in 2008. He became a thing in in 2004 when he spoke at the Democratic Convention and uh, really introduced himself to the world. So Gavin is now introducing himself to the nation into a nation of Democrats and who he hopes will elect him in four years, right? Um, but yeah, he, he's he should not be hinting at anything about this year. He should absolutely be voicing his full support for, for Biden because that's what that's what you got to do. Um, you, you toe the line um, and wait your turn. that's and that's politics. And you know we'll know for sure
1: I think if he's the one who uh, introduces uh, Joe Biden at the, the Democratic convention, then we know that's like 100% for sure that would be the beginning of his 2028 presidential run. And everyone um, would love that spot. The Democrats have a pretty deep bench, but I think they have a pretty deep bench
2: for like 2032. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Yeah, it's, not, it's just not quite there yet. Um, but you just, you don't, you really don't know, you never know, um, and we're at that point, like, like I said, in two thousand and four, before the Democratic convention, no one had any idea who Barack Obama was outside of Illinois um, and and people who knew him. Um, so uh, it only took and it only took four years, and he was president of the United States. Um, so it can happen in a lightning flash too. So we right. may, there may be there may be people out there um, potential candidates who we don't even we haven't heard about a state senator, a uh, you know a state representative or. Um, you know, some sort of statewide official from another, from a maybe not so blue state, um, like the Secretary of State of Kentucky or something. Like, I, that's totally random, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, but uh, someone like that, who just fires everyone up and finds, just catches that spark. That's all you need, really. That's, I mean, that's what Trump has tapped into, right? Trump is a awful person, he's an idiot. He shows that he's an idiot every time he opens his mouth, right? It's very clear. He's a bigot, he's all of these things but he's tapped into something. He's tapped into guys. Geist, he's tapped into, he's touched a nerve, right? And he just keeps poking the nerve. And you can do that for evil purposes like Donald Trump is doing. And, but you can also, it also it's also done on the other side. The other side does the same exact thing, right? Just pokes the nerve. That's what this ad campaign is all about, right? Gavin knows, because he's seen polling more than likely, uh, you know, every, and everyone has reproductive rights right now and Planned Parenthood all of these things poll really 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 high like really high it's the number it's the number one thing with likely voters because many most likely voters are women and we're coming after them right and they're fighting back so that is the number one thing if you want to that's why uh Evan Lowe's ad that we saw last week you know or two, a couple weeks ago focused on he focuses on what he did to enshrine reproductive rights that's very much poll driven like the people people are it's resonating with people so he is doing gavin's just setting himself up um for four years from now as being the champion of women basically and that's a fantastic place to be and especially for a guy who in theory could have trouble with his past with you know women <laughs> uh and it, but he seemed to have moved on beyond moved beyond that and been able to put that behind him um amazingly um and yeah it, it, he he's he is at this point i would say the front runner if we're looking at 2028 but again anyone could come out of the woodwork
1: you know another person that came out of nowhere even though he'd been in politics all his life like in uh 2015 bernie sanders kind of came out of nowhere too yeah he
2: ran yeah.
1: a he ran an issue campaign in 2016 if he would have thought he could win i think he probably would have started campaigning a lot harder a lot earlier and he might have won in 2016 and so yeah. we, yeah, like you said, we just don't know. It could just even be somebody you've kind of heard of totally in the background. That's always been around and they, they, they make it, they, you know, they make a good speech or they, you know, they have a good campaign, good marketing. And then, you know, the progressive wing of the party or, you know, more likely, I guess the more, the moderate um, wing of the party is probably who's going <laughs> to the moderate part of the party is who's going to do the anointing. But yeah. They, you know, they manage to, we managed to get the attention of everybody, even though they never really have in the past. And, you know, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, it would be, I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, the one thing, the thing I, I, uh, I've mentioned this about, uh, and, uh, Gavin, and they have this in common. They're actually not afraid to talk the shit and do the rope dope. Like they're not afraid to like, um, uh, metaphorically, draw blood from their political opponents, and I feel like uh, the the Democrats are pretty bad at that uh, generally, and so that's a real big kind of um, a selling point. And it depend, I don't think uh, Gavin's like past of like cheating on his wife is going to be that big a deal.
2: Um, if it hasn't to this point, I mean, he's governor, right? At this point, that's you don't get to that point if that's going to be a problem. Um, there's a there's so many. Ways that that can go wrong. So yeah, no, I I think he's gone beyond that, and and it's passed, him. Uh, it's not going to affect any kind of presidential run. Um, but uh, it, but he's he's also he's just the best. He's the best equipped to, to deal with all that as well, too, because he's been through it. Been, <clears throat> right. Been in he's in got
1: it, the so. he's got the political machine essentially. He's
2: right. Yeah, right.
1: because he's um,
2: like, and ca- and ca- being from California is not a bad thing at all. Like the, the electoral college, you, you reap from that the the money, um, all of it. Um, so. And it's, it's it's not, he's going to have a great story to tell because he's going to, he's, he's not some sort of, he's not going to be a quote unquote Johnny come lately on a lot of these issues. He's going to have been on the forefront of a lot of progressive issues for a long time. Having been from San Francisco, right? Where that's just part and parcel of what you do. So, you know, whether it's uh, gay marriage or it's uh, transgender rights or it's the rights of reproductive rights or whatever have you, he's been on the forefront of of the progressive side of things for a long time, so he'll actually attract, I think, a lot of moderates um, who appreciate, uh, you know, the nice, clean-cut white dude, <laughs> right? Um, and and a wholesome white dude. And then he'll also attract a lot of progressives who like that, like have been looking for what you were talking about—that firebrand, that fire brand, that's someone who is willing to, you know, um, attack. And the good thing with the thing with, I think, differentiates him from like a Lacardo is that I think Gavin can righteously do that. Like he's he has fought the. Uh, uh, the fight, and he has been there, and he has been there on those values. Ricardo, I think, sometimes takes up a, a cause where he ne- was not necessarily always on that cause, and maybe he was part of the problem that created it in the first place. And that, to me, while I appreciate that you're on the right side now, it's more like it doesn't. It smacks as disingenuine. Whereas Gavin, I think, has a little more heft when it comes to these issues. He's been there.
1: Well, that's enough speculation about the 2028 election. Uh, apparently, they're trying to recall Gavin Newsom again. It went so well the first time; they didn't even win Nevada County for fuck's sake. The last time, remember, we were watching the results come in. I'm like, "Oh my god, he's gonna fucking he's gonna win Nevada County by ten points." I'm like, "This shit." Remember, I was like, "This shit's over. Yeah, it's
2: he, done. It's he, he done, won a yeah. red.
1: He fucking won a red county."
2: Like, yeah, right. Well, let's find out. I, I, it sounds like some other people are still pissed about it, and they they think that it's worthwhile trying again. But um, they're going to find out the hard way. But anyway, we'll learn more about it.
11: All right, it's happening again just a week from the primary election. uh, Activists set their sights on Governor Gavin Newsom. A new recall effort comes just two years after Newsom successfully beat that previous attempt to get him out of office. ABC 7 News reporter Luz Pena spoke to the campaign director of the new recall and is here with what she found out, Luz.
12: Yeah, around 9.30 a.m., the group behind Rescue California filed a notice of intent to recall the governor. This less than three years after the last recall. Governor Gavin Newsom is facing another recall attempt less than three years after beating the last one. The group behind this one submitting almost 500 signatures to begin the process. We got them in three days. Um, They
7: range from mostly just depressed, repressed and suppressed citizens of the state of California, along with some leadership and law enforcement and so forth. And uh, we're filing and we're not messing around.
12: The group Rescue California accused the governor of abandoning the state to advance his presidential ambitions, pointing to a list of issues across California.
7: Highest homeless rates, highest taxes in the country. um, All of those things are in there as reasons for the recall. And included in that is the public safety and education
12: issues. But granting health benefits to undocumented immigrants and the state's record $73 billion deficit are the biggest motivators.
7: Now have a $73 billion deficit. He's not qualified. Right now he's not doing his job. He certainly shouldn't be applying for another
12: one. On ex Governor Newsom responded to the recall attempt. Trump Republicans are launching another wasteful recall campaign to distract us.
1: Oh, this is a mistake. You should pretend it's not happening after the last one went down like two to one. You should be like, what recall?
2: <laughs> I haven't heard anything. I'm over remember here doing my thing.
12: <laughs> the existential fight for democracy and reproductive freedom. We will defeat them. Some of California's top Democrats, including Attorney General Rob Bonta and Senators Padilla and Butler, rushed to condemn the recall attempt. How serious is this recall?
4: It's not very serious. Gavin Newsom has beat back recalls before. He hasn't done anything necessarily scandalous since then. And we still
12: have a pretty strong Democratic
4: majority in the states.
12: Menlo College political science professor Melissa Michelson does think that while the budget deficit may not get him recalled, it could impact Newsom's presidential ambitions.
4: I think it's going to be challenging for the governor to move on to the national stage if he doesn't have a strong economic record in california to build on
12: and during the 2021 recall attempt governor newsom raised more than 70 million dollars from donors and the recall movement raised 8 million professor (laughs) michelson said this latest recall could potentially lead to governor newsom getting more donors luz pena abc 7 news
1: yeah i think that the strategy here and i think he made a think think he made a mistake and those democrats made a mistake going on tv or if they would have gone on tv they should have just said um i don't care (laughs) but if they they wouldn't put that on tv right
2: uh it's not that exciting right that's not a sexy response um what they're looking for is the triggered response um but yeah don't don't give in don't give them anything that's i agree like just ignore it um and just laugh about it like oh oh, there's another recall what who real me oh shit. okay well good luck i'm gonna be over here doing my thing um yeah, don't give it any credit at all at, at this point. Um, and, but if anything, it's it's going it's a good thing for him, frankly. It, just, it, it puts more attention on him, and he can actually point to his record, which isn't, as far as I know, half bad. Like, we're not falling into a great abyss, as far as I know, in California. We've recovered probably faster than most other states uh, in the nation from COVID. And you know, while the economy is not working for everyone, it's working better than most. So we're still the fifth or fourth, whatever, largest economy in the world. So... I, I don't see how this is a bad you know bad thing at this point. He can leverage it and like they said, get more donors. Yay! That's going to really be really helpful in a national campaign, um, and uh, yeah, use it as a talking point. Even like, yeah, they're coming after me because you know they're scared of me. They don't want me running for president. They don't. They know I'd win, right? Um, so he yeah, he can use this. I think to get even more support than uh, uh so it's not necessarily a bad thing for him at all.
1: I like how the news said they've gathered 500 signatures. It's like, dude, this is just, how many well, people are
2: in this fucking state. Yeah, it's it's all that it's it's what you takes to. So what they what they're talking about is the threshold to um, just to get enough signatures to be able to start collecting signatures. If that makes sense, right? You have to get a certain, you have to prove a certain number of people are interested in doing this, um, and then you can go out and collect the signatures. So they still have to collect whatever probably a couple million i forget what the number is now but um it's based on whatever the turnout is in the last election last gubernatorial election so probably 5% or 10% of that vote would be the number of signatures you need to get so mm-hmm. we're talking like millions of people so it, it it costs quite a bit to just to get to the point of being on the ballot and then they got to spend to try to actually win on the ballot so it's not very likely that they're going to succeed and it's going to benefit him more than them I mean, if it's ten
1: percent of the people
2: that voted last
1: time, they should be able to get the signatures. Uh, when does he term out? Is it twenty six? Is that right?
2: Uh, I don't. I forget if he terms out at that point. If he's done his two terms, I think that might be it. Um, it could be that twenty six is when he. No, oh, yeah, twenty six year. I think you are right. Is when he would yeah, term out. All
1: right. So when? Oh God. So that this is. I mean, whatever, whatever. Like they can do whatever they want. I think. Like yeah. I think another thing that's going on is I think people are particularly in California are just getting tired of recalls.
2: 100%. 100%. I think there people understand now that we've had enough of them. It's, um, I think people more people understand what they are, why they are, what are the uh, what's the context and the fact that we had, just have elections. We have elections, right? And I think he just got reelected so it's like <laughs> fuck, you know, boo uh, hoo, right? Why didn't you go out and organize behind someone to help beat him? In the fair election process, right? Why do you have to do this recall? Because you know you don't have a case, and you know you're not going to beat him that way. So you're trying to do an end around. Or do you think it's a, um? You think it's more?
1: Work. You think it's more like a? I mean, I'm pretty cynical, so there's some chance this is just a grift, right? And the people that are organizing the recall are trying to raise their own, uh, uh like visibility and platform it could be for any number of things like just to fucking launch a podcast i mean who
2: knows oh yeah oh yeah no I, i'm sure I, I would not be surprised at all if that was part of this uh the angle that they're taking here right everyone's looking for a platform um even us right uh so yeah no not surprising at all if they were just looking to to grift off of it um but yeah we'll, we'll follow it up and we'll we'll keep chabs and we'll we'll see what happens
1: so, uh, this next story, I like the title, the SF police policy aims to limit quote pretextual traf- pretextual <laughs> traffic stops, tackle race, racial bias. So they just basically mean, uh, uh, um, we are going to try to limit the number of times we just pull over p- folks cause they're black or
2: young or. Yes, we are trying to, we recognize that our cops are racist and we're just trying to get them to be not racist more often.
1: Right, less less racist, less more racist,
2: more, more of the time. <laughs> anyway, we'll find out more from uh, from our local news outlet at ABC.
12: We haven't it, had hold a presentation on. after a tense meeting. San Francisco's police commission voted to restrict official. pretext traffic stops.
5: In the meantime, what will happen is if anybody gets pulled over for a traffic stop, the the officer has to tell the person why they're pulling them over
12: on camera the new policy could change law enforcement strategies under it officers will be restricted from requesting vehicle searches without probable cause of criminal activity they would also be limited in asking investigatory questions walker was one of the commissioners who voted against the measure
5: we have issues with racial bias in our rules not enforcing them isn't necessarily the answer changing the training you know working with the officers uh, changing the culture is really how that's going to happen. San
12: Francisco Deputy Public Defender Brian Cox categorized this vote as historic.
13: This is a long time, you know, coming, but it's also long overdue. You know, we have to remember that uh, these racial disparities and who gets stopped and searched. Uh, didn't just pop up overnight. These are issues that this department has struggled with for a long time.
12: A 2020 ABC7 I team investigation of traffic stop data found that between July of 2018 and March of 2020, black drivers were 4.4 times more likely to be stopped by a police officer than a white driver. When looking at the most recent data available, black drivers were still stopped at a much higher rate than other drivers. The president of the San Francisco Police Officers Association called the commission's vote ridiculous.
10: They make it about a race issue because the numbers are too high for the particular demographic in this city. Like, so what are we supposed to do? Like, we can only stop this many certain people, but everybody else is fair game. That's not how it works. Right. The law is the law. And we do try to apply it equally to
12: everyone. Lieutenant McRae said officers should have the authority to make decisions based on what they're seeing.
10: I mean, we were the ones who took the oath to do this job. Uh, You know, we promised.
12: And these changes are not effective yet. In the coming months, San Francisco police officers are set to go through special training and a process to roll this out. Also, the Police Officers Association could file a lawsuit against the city and block this policy from being implemented. Luz Fena, abc ABC7 News.
1: So one of those things that they said that they want the police not to do is illegal in the first place. You can't just search someone's car without probable cause. Yeah, I suppose Correct. you could just run around asking everybody if it's okay to search them, but like that's you know, sort of following maybe the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the, the, the legal search and seizure, uh, like law in this country. Like, um, that's it's uh, and like not asking investig investigatory questions. Well, <clears throat> the thing about this is like it should be applied. Smartly, like if there's an unfolding situation where people are in danger, yeah, ask all the fuck questions you want. But if the thing's already over, let the person get a fucking attorney and let them be interrogated, like, like fucking, like, just come on, come on.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, the the thing that stands out for me in this story the most is the the POA president because it's it's impossible to avoid that she's black, right? and she's having to sit there and as the poa president defend these racist fuckers in her department right in her ranks in her membership that are you know that are creating this problem and it's in fact it's a bias against her community and and so she's being pulled like a million different ways i'm sure on this i actually kind of sympathize with her even though it's you know i think she i think it would be more appropriate for them to say to respond like oh this is intense like this this does not look good right um this is not right what can we be doing better what should we be doing better let's work together to figure it out instead of well, we know better right producer Dave like we're, we, we took the oath we're, we're here to protect and to serve and we know how to do police that's how we do police all day so we know how to do police and you can't tell us how to do police commission or data you know uh and you can tell us, you can't tell us that we're doing police wrong when it's, it's abundantly clear. <laughs> I mean, those numbers are not, that's not even close. Like the numbers are off the charts, um, for, for, uh, uh, the, uh, the, 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 stops of, of black individuals, right. Um, especially related to the, you know, uh, their percentage of the actual. Uh-oh, looks like
1: we've, uh, looks like uh, we've lost our co-host here. Okay. Uh, oh. Thank you
2: for pointing this out. We're going to work on it.
1: Ooh, your your audio, something happened. Something happened. Yeah, something happened. Can you can you talk a little bit oh, more? Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, something happened. It's, yeah, it's, I can I think, I think I'm
2: freezing up a little bit here.
1: There we go. Cool. All right. Okay. Well, um, everybody listening to the podcast, this show is in fact recorded live. So if something if something goes a little bit wrong, you get to you get to hear it on Spotify. We're gonna Don't move forget on to, to follow next... us on social media. We're going to move on to our next story here. (laughs) The new candidates for the Oakland police chief are going to be. Are going to be released. Ooh,
2: excellent. I'm looking forward to this.
8: This week. It's one of the common issues heard throughout Oakland. If you ask those who live here or run a business, they've had enough. Cars getting broken into, people getting robbed, stores getting breaking into. And it's, it's been this has been going on for the past two years. Ali Mohammed owns a market in Oakland. He says his store gets robbed almost daily. I think a week ago. Your store doesn't get robbed almost daily. We had two break ins within a period of time of uh, of three days. It's now been more than a year since Mayor Shang Tao fired former police chief Laron Armstrong. On Thursday, Oakland residents will be able to meet the new candidates. They say whoever they are, they need to make changes fast. We need to have the chief, uh, the
7: potential chief uh, has a basic understanding uh, of the diverse cultures uh, and to build uh, the working relationship you know, with all communities. Data from
8: the ABC7 News I-Team shows robberies, burglaries, and vehicle thefts in Oakland are all on the rise in the last few years. Recently places like In-N-Out and Denny's announced they will be closing because of the crime in their area. Although being born and raised in Oakland, Ali says he's thought about moving. I love this city, but I just, this crime race is just pushing me out. Uh, sometimes I think about, you know, just going to a different state where it's more safer. Mayor shang Tao already rejected the first round of candidates proposed by the police commission. Although the new names of the candidates have not been revealed, uh, council member Noel Gallo says the police chief is the most important position Oakland can hire right now. We're now responding through 911 calls we're not responding to three one one calls regarding the stolen vehicles, the abandoned vehicles, uh, you know, breaking into your car. Store owners like Ali say without a chief, they feel like city leaders don't care about them right now. We just want to be like a normal city. Just want to be like everybody else. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's, it's, it's chaos around here. In Oakland, Ryan Curry, ABC 7 News.
1: I'd like to see the evidence that that guy's store gets broken
2: into like almost every day. It's chaos, producer Dave. It's chaos out there. Gotta watch out. Yeah, well, he did say, what, two break-ins in three days. Okay, that's not even every day. I mean, that's a lot, two in three days, but that's still not every day. So <laughs> a little bit of hyperbola going on there. Um, yeah. well, we. Sh- I'm looking forward to seeing who the candidates are. Obviously, uh, former Chief Armstrong will not be involved in that because um, he was involved in the last cohort of candidates and the mayor rejected all of them. So we'll see what what happens next.
1: And now it's time for Get Your Shit Together and we are going to move on to the saga of the Leaning Tower of San Francisco.
2: (laughs) The Leaning Tower of Millennium. Um, Yeah, so it looks like they fixed the problem where it was like kind of like lilting or listing, listing, sorry, listing one direction. But now apparently it's sinking in a whole new kind of way like ahead, oh, we
1: we we shored up the the four corners and the sides of it. Uh-oh. We forgot the middle parts.
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, more trouble for the troubled Millennium Tower. It's been 6 months since the luxury high-rise was fully supported to
10: stop it from sinking and leaning.
3: Now, that project was hailed as an immediate success, but NBC investigative reporter Jackson Vanderbeck has learned that the high-rise is no longer sinking any further to the side but now it appears to be sinking in the middle.
14: Here at the Millennium Tower, you can see that construction crews and scaffolding are all gone. And even the cracks that once marred the front of the high rise are now gone. No signs of the three year effort to stabilize the Millennium Tower by supporting two sides with 18 piles sunk to bedrock. Fix engineers had predicted once that was done the tower's weight would shift onto the other sides and eventually right the tower by as much as four inches. But they now acknowledge that projection was overly optimistic, saying the soil under the building is not acting as predicted. Instead of sinking at the opposite edges and offsetting more the tilt, the tower now appears to be sinking in the center.
15: buildings. <laughs>
14: <laughs> there is a tendency, even though the foundation mat may be quite thick, uh, there is a tendency for the center to settle more than the edges. Harry Poulos is an internationally recognized expert on tall building foundations. He says the data suggests that even as the sides are not sinking as much as hoped, the tower is still settling at an overall rate of about a tenth of an inch a year. A tenth of an inch is not that much, but it's not heading in the right direction. And that would be a little bit of a concern this the a longer term, The overall situation is very complex. Geotechnical engineer Robert Pike says center sinking, known as dishing, can trigger cracking under the foundation. <laughs> I mean. That should have been obvious that there was a possibility of further increasing cracking and water intrusion into the foundation. Pike says this buried wall under the opposite side of the foundation may be another hitch. Engineers figured the wall would sink when more weight was shifted onto it and help right the building a bit. But so far Pike says monitoring data shows the wall is holding fast. The designer of the fix project Ron Hamburger told us in a statement the remainder wondering when he of was going to settle as we always anticipated resulting in tilt recovery albeit at a slightly lower rate than modeling predicted. He added we believe the lower rate of settlement was because stress release on the soils under the building has been more effective than originally forecast. As it stands the tower is now tilting about an inch less than before now leaning just under 29 inches at the northwest corner jackson vanderbecken nbc bay area news okay
1: i still think i still think tear it,
2: down, tear it down tear it down tear it down yeah still get getting to that point i mean it's, well we fixed the tilt but now it's sinking in the middle so now right I now the whole to, thing you, now, now the whole thing is sinking yeah, what do you do now? Like, what do you do when it's sinking in the middle? You can't exactly like you're gonna go straight down. And oh, surprise! The piles, the 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 ground is not all that solid. Yeah, hello. Like most of the ground near there is mostly is landfill that was brought in, you know, to to build out the city in the first place, and or it's you know, bayside kind of lands so or uh, 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 uh you know a. Uh, uh, the geology is just not really going to support a lot more over there. They already have. They already have so much going on. So it's not surprising that this this is happening. It's just really hilarious that they haven't just done the thing that everyone thinks they need to do. I think, which is tear the fucking thing down. At least we think they need to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure everybody thinks that.
2: <clears throat> yeah, it's true. Maybe it's just us. Maybe it's just us. Maybe we're just crazy. Well, we're everyone.
1: So we're gonna move on to the I'm down ballot boy. watch so we're gonna move on to the down ballot watch segment here where we talk about local uh, political races as the election nears uh we have a congressional we have a congressional primary and um it Ooh. looks like uh, high school students host a forum for the south Bay congressional candidates let's uh yeah. let's... and is this um is this uh state congressional race or uh
2: national... oh, no this is the this is the NSU seed actually so okay. this is all the candidates that decided they would show up for the the forum with the the young folks because not everyone did so we'll find out who did
11: And turning to the election, the March 5th primary election is just around the corner. But across the country, there seems to be a bit of a tone of disillusionment among many young voters. An Axio poll reveals that 58% of people between the ages of 18 to 34 are still unsure if they'll even vote come November. But a group of Palo Alto high school students who aren't even old enough to vote yet themselves are on a mission to change that. Jose Martinez shows us how. It's never too early to start
15: thinking about politics and that's exactly the message here in Palo Alto where a group of high school students decided to host a congressional primary debate. It's a historic moment for Los Altos high school student Malik
8: Dakal. At Notre House in Los Altos is exactly that. It's the first ever uh, candidates forum for a primary election hosted by- Well, that's because your parents own the candidates. ...school students in American history.
15: It was a 16-year-old's idea to host the candidates competing for Anna Eshoo's 16th Congressional District seat.
8: Well, we originally thought of, of doing a primary forum between uh, the incumbent Congresswoman Anna Eshoo and whoever was challenging her. Uh, but when she dropped out, we saw an opening, we saw an opportunity where uh, a new political landscape was being built in this area. And uh, so we decided to jump in. And he did
15: it with his fellow Los Altos Institution Association member Travis Hodges, who moderated
6: today's forum. Voters had the right to know about who they were voting for and who their options were so we decided even though we were in high school that we would step in and we would fill that gap and make sure that not only voters felt like they could get involved but also high school students and other non-voters could still get involved and watch especially because travis tells me this is going to
15: help him achieve his dream
6: one day my dream is to run for congress one day so hopefully maybe i'll be in one of these forums in the near future 45 seconds to answer the following question
15: A good opportunity to practice this, Travis, who was able to ask questions about issues related to housing and education. For Malik, who wants to become a lawyer, it's all about...
8: I'm I'm more of a a, a fan of of policy and uh, academia and and researching to make sure that the policies we implement are... Are able to impact our communities effectively but and they both agree on one thing this is not going to be their
15: last event because for them it's all about increasing youth civic engagement
11: all right one of the many questions posed by those students tonight was especially relevant to the silicon valley district that those candidates are competing to represent the question was how should we regulate tech and safeguard personal information without stifling technological innovation?
8: And so we need much stronger safeguards around um making sure that we stay at the center of the ai revolution we need a global tech treaty right now we follow the european gdpr california has COPPA, but that's not enough we need something that is global because what ends up happening is when we do some things that are more localized tech companies don't comply and they say we pull out of this region and we need to uh, we sure actually disclosure
7: is a lot better so that people actually know what they're signing up for. That's part of the problem. It's critical that our regulations not stifle innovation. People are in favor of the GDPR, but you know that's something large companies can handle. It's a web of regulation that people say has actually stifled
8: innovation. The state of Utah has actually taken the lead here with SB2. Um, it is time to bring SB2 to a national level and ensuring that parents can have some control over what access their
10: children have to online material. We have to keep in mind what that data is being used for and one of the issues that i'm very concerned about is algorithms right uh, the algorithms have polarized uh your news feeds
1: <clears throat> uh, i saw it, uh, conspicuously uh, missing from that was uh mr Licardo and mr Lowe.
2: and mr samidian like the three basically the three front runners uh were not uh, decided not to show up for that that particular a bit um I'm not sure what the uh their decision-making process is there but left the you know they left the opening for everyone else um i don't i mean there weren't that many people there in terms of voters right it's not like you're gonna win a shit ton of votes there but it was on tv and they did talk about it on the new local news so you know it could have been beneficial to be there but i think a lot of these the uh, candidates the front-running candidates they see this as sort of a macro kind of election where it's just going to be about TV ads and um, uh, you know mailers and just doing all the big things um, and not necessarily showing up for every forum because it might they might feel it's a waste of time. So um, in some cases it is. So
1: funny thing is, like the Los Altos students are like, "Well, whoever wins that seat, uh, my dad's actually going to purchase that person, uh, <laughs> so.
2: so I'll get to have access to them no matter who it is." Um, <laughs> yeah. Either way, I did like dude's hair, the the moderator. I got to get that that dude going. That's really good. Yeah, he was. Really uh, he,
1: was from, he was. He was. He uh, from that show Twilight.
2: Yeah, <laughs> he's a vampire. Um. <laughs> anyway, well, um, the not to be outdone, uh, candidate. I don't know if you were able to, to watch much of this uh, last week during public comment, but the candidates in district uh, in the district that Evan lowe currently represents, who uh are now vying to replace him since he can't run for both of the things at once. Uh, they had their own little forum, uh, and I—I I had a clip here. I don't know if it was—it's if it's timestamp, but um, we this- can take a. Okay, great. We can take a look at sort of their response to one question about the local economy, which might be pretty insightful as to their responses. But there's about I think there's six candidates. Um, I think five are at this forum at least, and uh, three are Democrats. One's a Republican, and one is a Libertarian. And I'm going to let you all figure out who who they are and what they are. Good.
3: Thank you. Um, Omar, this next question starts with you, and it's for 60 seconds. California has experienced a migration of businesses out of the state. What will you do to reverse that trend?
10: I think one thing that we take for granted a little bit here in in California and in Silicon Valley is our status as a tech uh, capital of the world. I think we just think, oh, well, we're Silicon Valley. Everyone's going to come here. It's such a thriving place. Uh, But what we're seeing is that companies are leaving because of the policies that we have, uh, because we haven't been over time, innovating in the policies that we're introducing. But on top of that, uh, the workforce that we have isn't happy here. More and more young people, people like me who were born here and went off to college, don't want to come back. Uh, or people that are getting jobs prefer to be in New York City or other places across the country. And the reason why is because the quality of life here at home isn't as high as it used to be. And people are assuming that if they come here, they can never buy a home, that the infrastructure and the transportation options that are available just don't meet what they want out of their life. And so I think what we need to do is not just work with our companies uh, to have a thriving economy, but also to improve the quality of life here at home such that the workforce wants to come back here and wants to stay here and so that people who are born and raised here are also able to stay here.
7: Thank you. Patrick?
13: Such an important question, Tracy. Um, I mean, the disparity of jobs moving out of the state of California is the reason why our state budget is... uh, has a, a major deficit right now. Um, it is the reason why we ha- have had a $100 billion surplus just two years ago, and now we have, uh, depending on who you talk to, the governor or the Department of Finance, a $30 to $67 billion deficit. Um, we definitely need to be doing more and in the state legislature to address this. We're a co-equal branch of government. We need to be standing up for um, creating um, way more efficiencies to keep jobs here. Every month, I'm getting a new jobs report of more jobs being laid off, specifically in the tech sector. We need to be doing more on housing affordability, uh, like we talked about, workforce issues. And with you know, with the new normal, people are working from home. They're, they're able to do that. Tech companies are getting wise to do that. Our educational institutions, you can be zooming from home. We've got to do more in that space as well.
3: Thank you. Bob?
14: Well, it's uh, very entertaining to hear the people who are promising to do more taxing and spending. To them to well,
1: I know who, who that is. The it's the Libertarian. <laughs> Ding.
14: All of
9: this
1: economic.
14: <laughs> the taxing and spending. It's less profitable to do business in California than it is in some, somewhere else. What happens? The business leaves. Very simple. That would, Plus, when they're not taxing and spending, they're also passing more regulations, more uh, restrictions on housing and building. Uh, Minimum wage laws, rent control. It's less and less profitable to try and earn an honest living in California.
1: So Wait, how does rent control hurt most businesses?
2: I don't. and I don't know. I mean, I don't. I mean, mean, maybe it's these landlords and small business owners, right? Housing providers. (laughs) Like somebody in chat just mentioned, too, we could also tell he was libertarian
1: just by his audio.
14: Every (laughs) day, and the workers are leaving, and the problem is
4: economic. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Bob. Sophie? This is actually a question I wanted to ask our politicians. So we have a very expensive government that keep adding new and new, more and more laws to rule over people's life. And we have uh, income tax and also sales tax, we paid to this, but we didn't expect that from under the table, billions of dollars statewide were, ta- were paid out from our sales tax two giant corporations, and in this, in return, killed the small business. And the housing was driven by the, the billionaires, millionaires, so expensive, no income people cannot afford, and the poor education. Parents have no right to teach their kids. Our international kids are learning life skills, but our kids are have to learn sexual uh, things.
16: Like <laughs> oh, God. People. And people
3: just feel it's too expensive living here. it's not livable. I feel the same way. So but I'm here to support people. Thank you. Thank you. Tara.
0: Thank you. Well, I want to restore the Silicon Valley I grew up in. And, you know, we need to renew our commitment to progress. And it starts with common sense ideas that innovated our valley to begin with and made us become an engine for the state of California. That means funding education so the next generation can get into these jobs of the future. It means working with local governments to speed up the production of affordable housing. It means making our neighborhoods safer. And it means prioritizing investments in education and infrastructure because those investments are key drivers for long-term economic growth. We do have an exodus of families and businesses, um, and we need to revitalize Silicon Valley and the state of California by making it more friendly for business and small business. Um, This can include targeted tax incentives, streamlining regulations, um, supporting small business development centers like we've been doing here in Santa Clara County and investing in our infrastructure. Uh, We can foster innovation. We can make our neighborhoods more affordable and we can restore Silicon Valley as a global tech hub.
1: So the the gal on the top, right? Sophie belongs on the uh, public comment that happens after this to go and like (laughs) yell at the school board about people being kids being taught sexual things
2: oh yeah very much so she's absolutely that that person um and yet polling pretty high because um i don't know if you were able to guess she was the republican
1: oh gotcha so she's like the lone republican in the race and it's the same is it the same thing where the top two go through
2: correct no matter what um and but it's open right so everyone gets to vote uh all the parties get to vote on this race but the uh, um while you don't have like a D next to your name on the ballot you can actually you can. Uh, show a preference, right? Your party preference, which most people do, right? So she's the only one that's going to have party preference Republican. And, and a, well, I think there's another one, but she's a, she's the woman. She's the only one doing it much of anything to run. Um, and in a space where 26% or 25% of the, of the electorate is Republican, that's enough to get you through to a runoff. Um, so we'll see what happens, especially when there's some, this many Democrats vying for this, for the other, you know, 75% or whatever of the vote including right. the independents. Um, so it's, it's entirely possible that she gets through, she's not spending much money at all. She doesn't have much of a campaign to, to, to speak of, but she's turning up for these debates and forums and she's putting herself out there and she's on the ballot, right? She has a ballot statement and, and Republicans are going to go out there and say, well, i can't vote for any of these fuckers. So I might as well vote for her. She seems, she seems reasonable and maybe they never heard her speak before or even, you know, heard anything about her. Do they just, that's all they see is that that's her name. That's what party she prefers and that's what party I prefer and that, that they stick to it. Democrats are not as, I think, loyal to the the letter as Republicans are in that way. And not to say that Democrats would vote for the Republican, more the Democrats maybe wouldn't vote in that race if they don't really have a, a horse, right? Or if they're not really committed to a candidate, Um, they just may not vote because they're not as, as loyal in that regard, where it's just like you just gotta vote for somebody because we gotta get this seat. Right, we have to hold this seat. Um, so Democrats have gotten lazy, Republicans in California have closed the ranks and recognized that they don't have a whole lot of friends. So they gotta stick together. That's pretty much what's happened.
1: Um, I'm just curious to see what kind of percentage the Libertarian gets. I'm guessing like one to two, if that.
2: If, if it's, you know, it could, the Libertarian vote could determine, frankly, who goes through to this runoff. Because um, right now, uh, you know, the three Democrats are, depending on which poll you look at, you know, polling, you know, first, and then the other two are duking it out with uh, Sophie, with the, the Republican woman for, for third place or for second place. Um, so whoever, you know, if, the Libertarians more likely going to draw votes from Sophie. So the more votes he gets, the less votes she gets. And that means more likely that that Democrat, whoever it is that's vying for second place, gets through. Um, so the the less votes that he gets, the more that Sophie gets, and the more likely the Sophie gets through. So at, at, that'll be the really interesting thing to find out on election night what happens. Um, but I think it's anyone's game on the Democratic side. I think one of them is getting through. I just don't have any idea which one of it is going to be yet. We'll find out.
1: Well, <clears throat> we'll keep an eye on that or not. <laughs> up next we'll, we'll we got, find
2: out next tuesday night so
1: up next apparently there's a there's a a, a primary for uh mayor ed 209's spot and um the here's a, a local news hit about it although i i have i have a feeling that um uh mayor ed 209 is
2: kind of a shoe in here it's this will decide it because it's it's they're the only two candidates so there won't be a runoff whoever wins wins
8: Super Tuesday, less than two weeks away now. Since it's a primary, most races will decide which two candidates will move on to the general election
9: in November. But there will actually be a winner declared on March 5th in the San Jose mayor's race. NBC Bay Area's Ian Cole has the story. There are just two candidates running for San Jose mayor, incumbent Matt Mahan and challenger Tyrone Wade. Wade is a retired marriage, family and crisis counselor and worked in several different city governments around the Bay Area. Nothing has been done that I've wanted to be done by either the city government, the mayor or the city council. Wade wants to reform child protective services and the police department. He believes counselors should be the ones responding to domestic violence calls, not officers. And Wade says he also ran two homeless shelters and is qualified to handle the issue. There are 300 people who are living on the streets dying every year. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an ec-
1: epidemic that we have to take care of. Um, those are the kinds of things that my experience and training
13: has has prepared me to resolve.
9: On the other side, current San Jose Mayor Matt Mahan. He's serving an unusual two-year term because Mahan won the runoff in 2022. Voters chose to move the mayoral election to align with the presidential years to increase voter turnout, so he's finishing a two-year term and seeking another four years.
15: I think it's critically important that we follow through on the work we're doing to get people into basic dignified shelter and out of these tent encampments faster, hire more police officers and make our city safer, clean up the city and expand economic
9: opportunity for all of our residents. Mayhan believes he's made progress on his agenda for the city, but says there's plenty more work to do. And when we get the basics right, we create economic growth, more tax revenue, and, and greater opportunities. And since there are only two candidates, the March 5th election will decide the race. Ballots have been sent out, but you can vote in person until the polls close on March 5th at 8 p.m. In San Jose, Ian Cole, NBC, Bay Area News. I mean, I like
1: the other guy, but he doesn't have any name recognition as far as I know. And he probably doesn't have a campaign machine behind him. So
2: he has no chance in living hell of winning, unfortunately, but I highly recommend everyone vote for him. <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's really sad. Thank, frankly, um, all this effort that went into moving the bloody mayoral election to the presidential election year and all this you know hand-wringing that was going on about it and increasing turnout and getting more you know progressive allies elected and getting <clears throat> you know getting a better representation of uh, the city in the vote and at the end of the day it's going to come down to this you know primary election where it's going to be a heavily white conservative electorate voting and a very small electorate voting not at all representative of the city, um, and this guy's going to skate to reelection <clears throat> because he was already the incumbent. Now it might change in eight years when he <laughs> he terms out and there's another open seat uh, in the mayor's office. But uh, you know, it just seems it's so funny to me the the all the the effort that went into moving this election is just going to be done now, and no one's going to it's going to be a bang, not a bang, but a whimper. Right?
1: Do you think the two year cycle maybe has something to do with it too? <clears throat> that maybe people didn't have time to like ramp up campaigns and whatever. And if you were going to do this, there was going to be uh, a cycle, maybe where the incumbent was at a much
2: greater advantage just because of the, the the short duration of the the cycle. Yeah, I think that was always the case. You're you're absolutely right. It um, yet to be seen in four years, but I I don't know that there's much of a pipeline at all of anyone who could have, regardless, you know, challenged him if it was if they've had four full years to wait to you know to do it. Um, I think the person who was best probably set up to run against him was the person who ran against him two years ago um, and was unsuccessful. And I don't know that and I think she knows that she would not have been successful again because she didn't try to run against him again. Um, but Cindy Chavez is really the only person who had the kind of infrastructure and the the name ID and just the the backing to be able to do it and the and the setup to be able the pedigree to be able to do it. Um and at the same time, it was because of that pedigree and because of her long experience and long track record in local politics that she had also an a uh, very sizable you know unfavorable contention out there that probably you know dragged her down and kept her from winning um that that race. Uh, so even she, who was the most apt to run against him, is just not viable against him. so there the whatever you want to call that side of the the aisle in San Jose, the labor side or the more progressive side of things, they just don't have a candidate. And there's really no one who's set up anymore, at least. Um, you know, Raul Perales at the time when he turned out, um, maybe a couple of the current council members who were one of them who's turned out, uh, but there's really no one who's had, got this kind of heft and status to be able to challenge an incumbent uh, mayor now who's who's only had two years but really hasn't done anything horribly wrong in two years.
1: Right, okay, well, we're gonna move on here. This next this next one looks like I'm guessing the uh, the headline here or the title of the article may be a little bit misleading but it looks like San Francisco voters according to the headline are going to decide whether or not public school students are going to learn take algebra class I'm, I'm sort guessing, of yeah I'm guessing there's there's I'm guessing there's more here than, than just the headline but we'll, we'll have to take a look
8: <laughs> on March 5th San Francisco voters will get to weigh in on the years-long battle over which students get to learn algebra and when. For years, SFUSD students have not been allowed to take Algebra One until high school. Our very own Devin Feely joins us with a passionate debate, which is already starting to prompt some change. Hey, Devin.
11: Hey, Ryan, for the past decade, it has been the policy of the San Francisco Unified School District that Algebra is first offered to students starting in the ninth grade. It was a one size fits all policy. And frankly, it didn't really matter if a student through ability or interest or effort was ready to take Algebra sooner than that and for college bound students it put them at a profound disadvantage. Now voters can make their voices heard on this controversial issue and there's already some evidence that the school board is listening. Two years ago as a freshman at San Francisco's Abraham Lincoln High School, Josie Madaquin took two math classes in a single year, algebra and geometry.
0: Definitely taking two math courses wasn't probably the way I wanted to do it.
11: Josie didn't have much of a choice. She wanted to take calculus as a senior in preparation for college, but for the past decade, her school district in San Francisco had a policy to not offer algebra to eighth graders, even if they were ready for it. Why are you holding our kids back? Rex Ridgeway is Josie's grandfather and says the no algebra for eighth graders policy just doesn't add up, and forced him to pay to supplement Josie's education. I paid for a special course, cost me $860 for to educate her in algebra one so that she could comfortably double up in the ninth grade. Rex feels so strongly that the district's math policy is misguided that he's supporting Prop G, a non-binding ballot measure proposed by the Board of Supervisors that would, in essence,
10: urge the school district to reverse course. The Board of Supervisors can't tell the Board of Education what to do and vice versa. But we put this on the ballot to give the people, the parents, the voters a voice.
11: And Guardio says while well, the ballot measure is symbolic it has already put pressure on the school board to change after digging in their heels for the past decade you
10: must offer algebra in the eighth grade it is ridiculous that you have banned it for the last 10 years and so we are putting this on the ballot because the parents are so frustrated they need to have a voice and this lights a fire
11: there is evidence the plan is working the school board voted at its february meeting to phase algebra back into eighth grade classrooms over the next three years in a prepared statement, School Board President Lainey Motomiti said, quote, These changes are about creating access for all students to advance math, adding that hard work lies ahead, but describing the change as a significant step forward. Rex says it's about time. Bottom line is it didn't work. I call it a decade of damage. Josie agrees.
0: If you don't get algebra in the eighth grade or if you don't double up in freshman year, you're basically going to be behind, and that's really sad.
11: And no matter what happens with Prop G, Josie has already given the district's current policy a vote of no confidence. A third of the schools across the district will switch to teaching algebra in the eighth grade next year. They're going to phase it in for the rest of the schools two years after that. And as you can imagine, it's not just one change, it also changes the curriculum in the lower grades as well so that students are ready for algebra by the end of middle school. Just, just bringing up algebra, it just brings back a lot of bad memories right.
8: back in junior high and back in high school. Uh, but if it's not binding, why was it so important to get this on the ballot, even if the school board already
11: made the change? Well, there was a, there was a lot. In, the school board hadn't made the change prior to this mm. being on the ballot. So that's, for, that's number one. There was a lot of parents who have wanted this for a decade, and the school system didn't budge until now. So the argument was perhaps this was something that was kind of a motivating factor. Getting it on the ballot maybe motivated the district to finally uh, modify their, their policy.
8: So message made and message heard.
11: Yeah, absolutely. Right.
8: Thanks, Dan. So just real quick, it's been a long
1: time since I was in uh, junior high and high school. <clears throat> algebra per se was not offered uh, even on the uh, honors track in uh, junior high. <clears throat> they called it pre-algebra. And it was an algebra class. Um, <clears throat> and then you would then take geometry your freshman year. And then you would take something called algebra two and trigger, not trigger, not, not trigonometry. That's a racist uh, podcast out of the UK trigonometry, uh, sophomore and then pre-calc uh, junior and then calculus uh, senior year. I Sounds think that's about right. <clears throat> I don't know. fucking every school district's different. I don't know what the honors track uh, math is called in eighth grade there. But the headline's yeah. totally misleading. It's like we're gonna decide whether or not to teach algebra. Incorrect. That's you should be whoever wrote that should be fired. Because
2: yeah, it like should say in, algebra in eighth grade. Correct. And the and the ballot measure itself is not, you know, it's non-binding. It's not deciding anything at all. That like they said, the school district decides on their own curriculum. And yeah, sure. The pressure's there and but it's probably been there, frankly. This is just another uh, it's obviously just you know placating parents and this one supervisor looking to make a name for himself, um, and by doing that and by siding with parents, and it's not the worst thing in the world to side with parents. They are heavy voters and they are they are active voters and they're going to be around for a while. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of uh, you know to to you know the, the the call the calls from the community, right, and 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 putting pressure on uh, other other entities that you really have no control over. But you know, if it works, it works. And, and pressure is pressure. So, but yeah, it, it, you're right. The headline writers need to figure their shit out, get their shit together.
1: <laughs> right. And like the other thing is, you know, it's being phased in, which is fine. But I just wonder like, you know, having problems hiring teachers because of the cost of living. Now you, I don't know. I just feel like now there's staffing concerns, maybe at the junior, junior highs or middle schools or whatever with yeah. a, with a uh, new, another class, even if, you know, the regular math teacher would have no problem uh, teaching it now. It's like a different, curriculum that has to be put together and there's all kind of logistical stuff here that needs to be uh, handled but uh as you often say we we have confidence in our educators and i think they'll be able to uh, make this transition uh pretty easily or they're going to just skirt it around this by doing an algebra class in eighth eighth grade for the honors kids call it pre-algebra and then give everybody geometry in ninth grade yeah. like i don't know
2: uh, yeah, I think the educators themselves. I'm not worried about them them uh, doing the, the job and doing the work that they've been they've been trust, we've entrusted them to do and that they've sworn to do. Um, it's more like the quantity of teachers, right? If if you need if they're going to need to staff up to do this, there's a dearth already of uh, math, and bilingual, um, special needs teachers. These are the three areas where there's just not a lot of people going into the profession, right? In these uh, uh, in these subject areas. So it's going to be difficult for them to find enough teachers to cover it if they need to if they need to restaff or staff up. Hopefully they don't. But I
1: well, you think like if some number of the students are just going to be taking this algebra class, it would take away uh, class load from other classes, and maybe existing staff would be perfectly able to, sure. to, to pick this up. But again, now there's a new sure. curriculum that they have to, You know, now you're just putting if you do that now you're just putting like a like a more work, even if it's the same number of classes. Now there's more work.
2: Yeah, new, yeah. I, I, They'll do it. Don't get me wrong; they will do it. But it's like you just put the more and more pressure you put on the, that system, the more burnout you cause, and you're just not going to attract as many new prof- teachers to the profession. The more stress you put on it, well, anyway. Here,
1: <sighs> here we are, to, and another thing. Ah,
2: <sighs> well, uh, it, one want to leave you with us. No, not too many sour tastes in your mouth. So a nice little warm, t- warm taste. Uh, but something is being done because it's been very difficult for pet owners to find a place to live that's not going to cost them an arm and a leg and or their pet. Uh, so a uh, former supervisor turned legislator, Matt Haney has an idea for how to hopefully help with that. We're going to find out about it here.
5: Making in the Bay may it a little easier for renters with pets. A San Francisco assembly member introduced a bill which would bar landlords from saying no to dogs, cats, and other pets.
11: Today in the Bay is Chris Sanchez joining us with more on this. So Chris, what would this mean for those renters and property owners?
16: So it might be a little bit easier to find a place to rent if you have a pet where it's estimated about one out of three units will allow you to have a pet. So you know it's hard. You know that it will also cost you a lot of money. Uh, you'll have to pony up what is usually a pre- pretty big pet deposit. A California Assemblyman who represents San Francisco, Matt Haney, he wants to change that. He introduced a bill that would force landlords to consider pets on a case-by-case basis rather than just having a blanket no pets policy. Landlords could still prohibit pets for what he calls reasonable reasons. Haney says he's looking ahead to days where there is enough housing but which people can't rent because of their pets. He doesn't want units sitting vacant because of that. Our partners at Telemundo talked with Assemblyman Haney about the really high pet deposits that also can be a barrier to tenants who can make rent but who can't afford to put down thousands of dollars on the side. They also talked with this person, the spokesperson for the California Apartment Association, who points out that the
1: this person
16: not taking into account this. situations where there's no access to a backyard or there are other tenants who have allergies or other considerations. It also does not allow for an increase in security deposits meant to repair pet-related damage. We know that even the best of pets sometimes can be a little rough on our homes. So the bill is still very early in the process. It has to go to committee and be discussed there and then it gets you know kind of manipulated and, and you know, changed and Torn apart. we expect that the first conversation about this in Sacramento will be in March. Huh. But it's interesting; it, it sees both sides of it yeah. at least. You yeah. know, pet owners—we're
5: pet owners—but then
16: you also have concern for your house, right? And, and we things. know how we train our pets. yes you know, not everybody yeah. trains their pets the same way. That's there true. That's yeah. true. All right. So, what do
1: you got to introduce your fucking landlord to your cat? Like, what the fuck?
2: Right, podcat. This is landlord. Landlord, this is podcat. Cat. Nice landlords. landlords. They do. They pee all over them. Um. Well, uh, g- good on some Assemblymember Haney for making it hopefully easier for renters with pets. Um, and laugh hopefully. at the car, laugh at the apartment association for everything they do. I do have like through. how they just
1: called her this person.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that a lot because that's <laughs> sort of how I think of them as those people. I'm just so sick and tired of the apartment association. So what and, what what is interesting here say. is like in practice,
1: if they're just dis- describing it, um. Uh, properly, the the landlord of uh, the potential landlord or whatever just has to make up a reason not to allow the pet, though.
2: Yeah, it. it I mean, there's there's gonna and it, it, when this thing eventually gets passed, if it does, right, it's gonna have gone through a ringer of you know those landlords and the apartment association and their housing providers, right, of you know, manipulating it as Chris Sanchez says, uh, basically gutting it and rewriting it and just making it more amenable to themselves. Um, so there'll be a lot of loopholes, I'm sure, within this bill. Um, so, uh, but since it had to do with pets, and there weren't a whole lot of other happy-go-lucky stories out there, that's another thing for this week.
1: <laughs> You're like, this is this is the closest we're going to get. Uh, we animals. did not have vehicle uh, versus a building uh, this week.
2: No, I didn't see much of anything out there. So we'll just have to keep a, even structure-wise, no buildings or you know lampposts or trees or anything. So um, we'll keep an eye out.
1: Well, you want to close the show out.
2: Sure, of course. Well, like I said, uh, we love our listener and we love our viewers. So if you have anything to share, please do it in the Discord or in the chat here on Twitch. Uh, we love having you here every Tuesday live at seven thirty Pacific, except when we're not here live at seven thirty Pacific every Tuesday. I really invite you to stay tuned for down uh, for sorry public comment. I really invite you. I especially invite you to stay tuned for public comment uh, right after this. And please get yourself vaxxed wear a mask in public when you're out there and pants are optional i don't know if you really have to do that this is audible smoke this has been down ballot and we'll see you next week Peace. <laughs>
17: To get the party started, pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling. Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar. And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are. Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet. It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink. I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens. Here at the front of the stage, waiting for MTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me with a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me? About five minutes later, we're all singing, queen. I get the fuck up on track. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, what we want to do, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band, enjoy that band. I turn and head back. The bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car to smoke another one, Whoa. and another one. Whoa. Now, just when the magic starts kicking in, I hear we left playing and you know now it's time to head in. All right, everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink, spark it if you got it, and then pass it to me. And we do what we want. And what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, what we want to do. And what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy the band. The show tonight is down and dirty And five we're headed outside Just fuck up another joint now Who's got my lighter? A stoner E of course Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch Being who I gotta be I'm fucked up like the US economy The truth is is that I don't think Logically, stoned to eat, e, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me, And outside shit, we smoke a lot of broccoli. Rocky roll it, all the sexy groovy jockin' me. ain't too drunk to fuck, but don't probably do a We do what we want, what we want to do. And what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. do We do what we want. And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Yeah, 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 yeah. Bob said that he liked jamming And he hoped he liked jamming too Well, I gotta say, thank you, We too Yes, I gotta say, thank you, Bobby, too Well, Bob Marley said that he like jamming And he hoped he liked jamming I think about we do. That's a of Think about we do. Yeah, We do what we want. And what we want is the James. So sit back and enjoy the bed. Yeah. We do yes. what we want. And what we want to do, Lord. what we want is the James. So sit back and enjoy the band. We want. What we want to do, what we want is the jam, so sit back and enjoy the pain. Enjoy the rain. We do what we want, and what we want is the jam, so sit back and enjoy the band.